0: Hello and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon.
1: In this episode of Being Boss, we're live from New Orleans. We are here for our fourth Being Boss vacation and so far it's been a blast. I mean, it has been so much fun. And in case it's not fun enough that we are that we are recording live in New Orleans. This is also our 200th episode. So you'll be following along today as Kathleen and I talk with our vacation attendees about all the lessons that we have learned about showing up and doing the work through 200 episodes of Being Boss. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club.
0: Hey bosses, you know that FreshBooks has been supporting us for a long time, but I want to give you some more specific features about how FreshBooks Cloud Accounting can help your business right now. So first off, let's talk about invoicing. You can create and send polished professional invoices effortlessly in mere seconds. Project deposits, there's a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment upfront when you're kicking off a project from the very beginning. Automated expenses, you can link your FreshBooks account to your credit and debit card, so next time you expense that business lunch or tank of gas, it'll show up automatically in your FreshBooks account, and this is personally one of my favorite features. Proposals, up your chances of closing the deal by using the proposals feature to add images and stylized text to your estimate. It also just makes you look super legit. And then finally, customer support. If you have any questions whatsoever, FreshBooks award-winning customer service is over-the-top helpful, super friendly, and they have zero attitude. I've personally called them many times and they are so friendly. Plus a real life person usually answers in three rings or less. To claim your unrestricted 30-day free trial of FreshBooks Cloud Accounting, just go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section.
1: Now, let's do it.
0: Let's do it. So, in this episode, we really want to come back and look at everything we've learned over 200 episodes. And honestly, live in New Orleans, I feel like I have learned so much just in the past 48 hours. So, I'm going to probably, and you, Emily, will see some of the lessons that we've learned from the bosses in attendance showing up in this episode. And we're so excited to have a little bit of input from some of our bosses that are here live with us in New Orleans. So Let's dig in because this is going to be a big
1: one. Right. So as you guys probably know, especially if you have the book, we see that there are several foundations of being boss. And so what we're going to be doing today is going through each of those foundations and really hit on the points that we have found most inspirational or life and business changing along the way, because we have talked to some really awesome people. We've had some hardcore conversations between ourselves, and we've talked to so many of you and... It's funny, especially whenever we started writing the Being Boss book, I told Kathleen, I was like, this process is going to make us more boss. And I cannot reiterate, iterate and reiterate again and again, how much more boss being boss has made us. So we're going to be going through all of that today.
0: Yeah, and I just want to make a shout out for our book here because that was a big accomplishment. But we've had a few people come up to us here and say, I held off on buying the book because I thought it was just going to be more of the podcast, but it's so good. And I'm not trying to like toot our own horn here, but toot toot. Like (laughs) it's it really is – we summed it all up there. Yes.
1: Yes, it's definitely – it was a – business baby that we created together and it definitely it helped us one look back at all that we have talked about and found out um, from recording the podcast but it also really gave us a lens through which we look at the future and what being boss will become beyond business baby number one or book baby number one um, into the things that we create ongoing so yeah let's all right let's
0: dig in so Emily yes (laughs) madam Where are you feeling with mindset whenever it comes to being boss? You know, that is the thing that we start with. Your thoughts are things and they become reality. And so your mindset plays a huge role in your work and life. So what have you learned over the past 200 episodes or even over the past year?
1: The biggest shift that I have made is that entrepreneurship is not for everyone. This one was a really hard one for me to learn where for a really long time, I saw entrepreneurship as the solution to any job problem you could ever have, where if you don't like your boss or if you don't like getting up in the morning or if you don't like the projects you're working on or whatever it may be, then you should be your own boss. And what I've realized through having tons of conversations with bosses like those in attendance today or with the people that I've coached with or people for whom I've built websites is that... Those of us who are doing this, who are successfully showing up and doing the work and reaping the rewards, we're not one in a million. Well, maybe one in a million, (laughs) maybe one in a several million, but not everyone can do this. And that makes us so much more special and so capable and so worthy of whatever worth we think we, we deserve. Um, That was that has been the biggest shift that I have made is just how special those of us who show up and do this really, really are. And it has changed the way, one, I show up for myself, and two, how I show up for you guys and what I expect from you guys. And then also, it's also rela- it's also allowed me to release a lot of the expectations that I have for everyone else, which has made traveling through life in general significantly more easy.
0: Hmm. Well, and with that, I think a big mindset that I've learned over 200 episodes, we use the word entrepreneur pretty loosely. I don't know that I'm like a capital E entrepreneur. I thought I was because I worked for myself, but the more I've learned about working for myself, the more I've learned that I'm kind of a hybrid between a freelancer and a small business. I remember the day that you realized this, and it was like
1: a light came on where Kathleen had been pushing herself to be the entrepreneur, to work on a level that, does not resonate with how you best show up. And that was also around the same time that I was realizing that not all of us are actually entrepreneurs. And one of the things that we've been doing for a very long time is defining for ourselves and for others what the difference is between a freelancer, a business owner, and an entrepreneur. And that I'm sure will be a whole episode in itself in the future, but it has been really interesting to watch you figure out what you are along the way too.
0: And I would still loosely say like, yes, I'm a creative entrepreneur. I would identify with that. But what it's done is it's released the need to keep up with all the Joneses, to keep up with all the entrepreneurs I admire who are making money in their sleep and having million dollar launches on their, you know, courses and products. I like working with clients, I like building a team. I like just doing it in a – I guess if anything, what I've really learned over 200 episodes is that it really goes back to the basics and it goes back to the basics of what feels true for you. And so that's been a big shift. I feel like I'm just coming full circle to some of the things that I was thinking about and learning whenever I first started my business and really coming back to that, giving it all away for free, being generous with your gifts of knowledge. Um, you know, really focusing on the client work, like I'm coming back to client work. And that's really fun, too. But I'm not getting paid if I don't have clients. And so that's been really exciting. And at the same time, still admiring people like Emily, who are capital E entrepreneurs, who are still dedicated and devoted to building that kind of empire as well. And just acknowledging that we're all going to be doing it in different ways. And that is okay. Okay. Can we talk about the sort of
1: defining moment that we realized? Well, you may not know it. I don't about. remember it. Let <laughs> me tell you what was happening. So, it was a moment when Kathleen and I realized how we preferred getting paid, and mm. that Kathleen wants to do work and get paid for it, like pretty immediately, like do the work, get paid. I'll do the work, 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 so that someday I'll get paid. And I think that's a very a somewhat definitive definition. can say that twice, Um, of what an entrepreneur is and how that is different from maybe a small business owner and especially a freelancer, where I don't mind building and building and building. I joke, not joke, but joke often that I still work for free a lot, a whole lot, because I'm doing things to get paid in the future. I'm creating the thing, pouring passion into things. And that lifestyle is not for everyone. Kathleen... It is not for me.
0: (laughs) I want to do the work and I want to get paid.
1: Right? So, a little difference in... I don't know, preference.
0: Yeah. And but I love that like we can be friends and business besties through it. And that took, what, four years of conversation to figure that out.
1: Yeah. And we we can be, yes, friends and business besties, but also business partners (laughs) and realize that we have different preferences and how it is that we show up to do basically the same work.
0: Yeah. All right. Anything else that you've learned with mindset? We talk a lot about
1: values if you haven't noticed. Um, And one of the things that I've really found myself getting a lot of value out of is that value practice. If we can use the word value 18 more times than the next five sentences. I love that we've really uncovered this idea of defining what it is that you value and aligning not only you know these sort of core beliefs and these things you write down and these platitudes you paste up and you never practice but actually how it is that you build a business and you show up in your work and in your life that one again one of those things that you hear people say and you're like "Eh, that's cute like of course that's so obvious and it makes sense but actually practicing it part of you know writing the book and creating the courses and doing the things where we are focusing on you guys knowing what it is that you value and showing up and practicing that is that we've had to practice it ourselves and we have found that it absolutely works and it makes us feel really good about the work that we do.
0: So one of the things that I've really been thinking about a lot whenever it comes to mindset is cultivating confidence. That's the one thing that we kind of come back around to time and time again. We've had our confidence shaken at times. And a lot of our listeners come to us asking about frotty feelings and how can I know my worth and how can I just feel better about putting one step in front of the other. And I think that we've both had a year where our confidence has been shaken because we've done big, risky, exciting things. Um, And I guess I suppose this episode is a little bit of coming back to things that I've said before and saying, maybe I was wrong and I have new ideas. And that's cool too. Over 200 episodes, I hope our ideas have evolved. And one of the things that I've always said is that you don't have to be inspired to do the work. And... I undervalued inspiration and I have found that this year I don't necessarily need to be inspired to do the work. I can go through the motions and we can talk about habits and routines and those things that support you whenever you're not feeling, you know, super excited or inspired or motivated. But I do need to be inspired to create something I'm proud of and something that I can't help but create in my off hours or... You know, even if I have a task of to-do list, the thing that will make me excited to show up and, you know what, I'm going to push all my other tasks to the side so I can write this thing or create this thing. And so I have found that the inspiration comes from the stuff that feels like life, the stuff that feels like memory makers, or the stuff that feels just a little bit next level, the things that you can't really grab onto, the intangible. And so I undervalued inspiration. And so I think that maybe over the next 200 episodes, I will be chasing that a little bit more. I will be looking for inspiration and trying to put my way, put myself in the way of beauty and inspiration. And New Orleans is a great place to do that. I was about to say, welcome to it.
1: (laughs) Right. Agreed. And that's something, again, that we found out along the way is, yes, we can show up and just do the tasks, but Extra magic goes into it when you're actually excited about doing the tasks.
0: All right. So, we want to open it up to some of our bosses here in New Orleans. If there is one of you that would like to answer this prompt on the podcast, um, the question is what shift in mindset has most impacted your business? All right. (laughs) Monique, who has no voice, we would love to hear from you. All right, so you're going to come sit up here by David. Okay, Um,
1: I'm Monique. My website, I guess, is Monique Nicole Childbirth Education, (laughs) Um, and I teach childbirth education. And it was really, uh, I had an epiphany. while one day I was getting ready for my class, and I was like, oh my God, all these people paid me because they know I know my stuff. And I was like, yeah, I do know my stuff. And every single time I got a little nervous because sometimes I just don't want to go. I just want to stay in my bed. You know, um, it's a two-hour class and I talk the entire time. I, I don't know. I just was like, they actually, they trust me because they know that I know it. And I was like, I know it. I love this. And it was so exciting. And then I also got super relaxed. I didn't feel stressed around it because my students know I know it. You know, so that was, that was huge for me.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I love the idea of your students trusting you, cultivating more trust in yourself, and then that shifts into a relaxed state in which you can share and teach even more. Thank you, Monique,
1: for sharing. All right. Let's talk about
0: some habits and
1: routines because we often talk to the people that we're interviewing. Um, And even like just experts that we're talking to on the side, like, what are you doing all day? (laughs) Tell me about your morning routine. How are you getting ready for work? What are you doing at night to wind down? We all know that habits and routines are the things that set us up for a productive day and for getting all the things done that we want to get done. So we've learned a thing or two (laughs) about habits and routines.
0: Yeah, so one of the – we talked a lot about habits and routines in our rituals and routines episode, and that was a lot of personal – Routines like morning routines. So you can catch up on that episode. I'm not going to tell you any more about the Himalayan salt water that I drink or the walks that I go on or the working out. I want to talk more about a professional habit and routine that has been a game changer. So for me, I moved from my physical agency space in Oklahoma City across the country to Detroit. And I've always worked remote with Emily on Being Boss. And one of the things that we do at Being Boss is we have a weekly FaceTime check in. For us, it's sometimes daily. But really using that dedicated time that is on our calendar to check in with each other and have a management meeting is so important. It has that accountability in there. It has that time where you can talk through and brainstorm. And so I've started implementing this. This is something we're good about at Being Boss. I've really started implementing it with my team over at Braid. We are all very autonomous. We are all very in charge of our own work and what we're doing. But you have to remember that part of your company culture, like company culture is an important part of your business as well. And so even if everyone's checking off the tasks and to do's, checking in face to face allows you to start to brainstorm and create and just feel connected to each other. And that's a word that I keep seeing coming up at this vacation as a value that is so incredibly, incredibly important. So how do I stay connected to my team? How do I stay accountable to my team? How do I hold them accountable? Weekly FaceTime check-ins is huge. And so that is a habit and routine that I've put in place.
1: Yeah. And this can really easily translate to solopreneurs as well. And so I have a couple of groups with whom I check in with, let's say, every other week. I have a mastermind group, which is a peer mastermind group couple business besties, basically. We're getting together every other week and have for a year and a half. And that is one of the most important meetings that I have on my schedule every or every other week. I'm not getting paid to do it. It's not, you know, giving me a nicer ass or anything like that. Like I'm not working out. It's not, it's one of those things that making those connections and nurturing those relationships is just as important as anything else that I'm doing any other day of the week. Um, Just as important as those deadlifts. Just as important as those. Um, And likewise, you can also just do monthly calls with a business bestie or even your friends. So my mastermind group that I do every other week, we recently had a conversation about how I know more about what's going on in her life than I do most of my real life friends. I was like, that's actually kind of a problem. So making that same sort of commitment to your real life friends is also super important. Hopefully, obviously, but I forget.
0: And then what about you, Emily, whenever it comes to habits and routines, probably on a more professional level, because again, we've talked about all the personal things we do. What habit or routine have you been practicing more of or cultivating more of or really implementing?
1: One that I practice consistently and I think is an undervalued skill for most small business owners or entrepreneurs is project management. That is one skill that I think is golden and completely mandatory and is something that I have made a hardcore routine of practicing daily and weekly. And so if you are not a highly organized person, one, maybe get some help and become more organized. And two, if you can't do it yourself, get someone to do it for you. Um, Because very often I'll find creatives who have so many inspiring ideas, or maybe they just have like that one amazing idea that they're trying to act on, but they can't manage the project enough to actually make it happen. So for me, I begin my week every Monday morning with sitting down and looking at my entire week ahead. And so I'll see what's due, what it is that I have to do, what meetings are on my schedule. I'm managing all of my projects on a weekly basis. And then I'm also doing it pretty daily as well. I'll do it for my team. I'll do it for myself. I'm going in and just consistently looking ahead and seeing what it is that that I have to do and making sure I'm able to show up every day ready to do that thing. Um, I also... It is part of my routines that every time we start a project, or start, it's part of my processes. Every time we start a project, I completely map out the entire thing so that I'm not overwhelmed when I get into the middle of it or I'm not missing out on things as I start to dive in. Project management is a skill that I think everyone should have if you want to run a business, and I think it has to be a part of your habits and routines, an ongoing thing that you are practicing in order for you to accomplish all the wonderful things that you want to accomplish.
0: Were you ever bad at project management? Yes. What was Believe it like? Or not. like, what was that transition then from like, what habit and routine did you actually have to put in place from going from unorganized to organized?
1: I don't think it was any one thing. And Corey can attest to this, all of my crazy attempts at project management back in the day. It was trying out all kinds of things. It And for me, it was a mindset shift around, you know, ooh, it's all grossing me out because it's everywhere and I don't know what to do next. And understanding that for me to be profitable and effective and efficient, I had to figure it out. And so we began trying out all kinds of things around different different pieces of software. We tried note cards. Remember the note cards that we had? There was a bulletin board with note cards. Ooh, I like that. It was fun. That sounds like a great style it, of organization. It, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It it totally worked. It, it Actually, that one got us through one of the biggest or the busiest seasons that we've ever had or we ever had in websites uh, was seeing everything that needed to be done, being scared about it and knowing that if I could just manage the projects, it would all get done. And so it was a shift around knowing that it was a mandatory part of becoming profitable and two testing all the things until we found something that worked.
0: I also love that it wasn't just the act of being organized that helped you get organized. It was profitability and efficiency and these other support values that motivated you, that took you over the edge of, well, I should be more organized to actually having that incentive.
1: Yeah. And it does great things for your clients as well. So in the service industry, if you're stuff is a mess, your clients aren't going to be very happy. And no one likes an inbox full of angry clients. So if nothing else is a motivator for you, think about walking into a happy inbox every day. All right. I
0: would love to hear from one of you what habit or routine in your work really helps you feel supported and grounded or efficient and profitable. Rochelle.
2: Um, Hi, I'm Rochelle, and my website is The Art of Love and Money. And um, one of my favorite habits and routines that I use through my life and my business is um, goal setting yearly. And I use those um, weeks in between Christmas and New Year's, and I just kind of really get dreamy and fill up a notebook. And then I go through and I pick three to five. Items that I want to make sure I get done in the next year, and then I um, set up my savings to automatically draft to that so that I know no matter what else I do with my money, I'm getting those three to five things done. And I also do those quarterly and um, assign nine things that I want to do in 90 days. And they can be small or they can be big, but if you put something on the calendar every 10 days, like you're like waking up excited for life every single day um, because it's like, oh yeah, it's Wednesday and today I'm going to like get the ingredients to make that homemade cheesecake for the first time. Or um, maybe I'm going to um, plan out a trip to Ireland or I'm going to, whatever it is, it could be bigger, it could be small, but I think inserting goal setting into small increments makes a huge difference in my life.
1: I agree. And my favorite thing about this is you creating automations to support your goals. Thank you. (laughs) Now we know our bosses and we know that many of you are looking to easily sell online courses memberships and digital downloads to your audience. Well, we found a solution for you in Podia, your all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell your online boss creations in one place with no technical knowledge needed, no third-party plugins required, and zero transaction fees start selling today with a 14-day free trial of Podia and as an exclusive offer to the Being Boss listeners 15% off for life by going to podia.com/boss that's p o d i a.com/boss Next up we're talking about boundaries. So we have talked with so many of you guys about boundaries this week that we're going to continue talking about. It.
0: <laughs> All right. What are your feelings around boundaries right now? Do you have any updates or anything you would like to amend from what we've chatted about over the past 200 episodes? I feel like I've
1: always been pretty, pretty steady on this one, but maybe I've just been practicing it enough that I'm going to uh, add enthusiasm to... Make boundaries, but then break them. (laughs) I think that breaking your boundaries and owning that. And we have recently talked to Caroline Kelso-Zook, who gave me a really great little phrase that I will continue using forever, this idea of permission with boundaries. So this idea that you will break your boundary you're going to give yourself permission to break the rules, but you're going to create another boundary around that. So for example, let's say one of the things that I've been doing recently um, is I have been working more than I like to. So I usually have a hardcore boundary around 30 hours a week. That's as much as I'm going to work. But over the past couple of months, it's been slipping into 35, 40, 45, maybe 50 a time or two. And But I knew I was doing it because I had things I needed to accomplish, period. So I gave myself permission to break my rules. But I set myself a deadline knowing that once I get to this date, I'm going back to my old boundaries and things are going to be all right again. And what that does is it removes the guilt that you have from breaking your rules. And it gives you permission to just do the thing that you need to do, but with a boundary that gets you right back on track. And whenever you do that, you maintain control in areas where you may feel like you're losing control and you're able to realign yourself
0: with ease. Mm. All right, you all, I have to tell you the truth here about boundaries. They will be tested. That is why they're called boundaries. And if they weren't being tested, you wouldn't need boundaries, right? And so I think the idea here around boundaries I want to share today is to not take it personal whenever someone is testing your boundaries. So, you know, before we started this podcast conversation, we were having a masterclass with FreshBooks talking all about pricing. And pricing is one of those places where we kind of don't know where our boundaries are. It can be real – it can be tricky is what I'm saying. And people get – real defensive or take it personal whenever someone tests the boundaries of your price, for example. You might feel like you're wrong. You're not wrong. Someone's just standing at the edge of your fence trying to get in, right? And so I think it really is truly not taking it personal. And more specifically, I think creating scripts around your boundaries, having go-to language that you can say whenever your boundaries are being tested is really super helpful, So maybe you have a price for your offering and someone says, that's too expensive. Your boundary might be, if you're going to break your boundaries, like it might be, oh, well, I can go less or I can um, take this thing out. Or it could be simply, well, this is what it costs. This is my boundary. This is the barrier to entry. Um, So again, just not taking it personal and not making yourself wrong when your boundaries are being tested. One
1: of my favorite boundaries, things that I've learned is that physical boundaries are step number one. And this one always surprises people. People are like, what are your favorite boundary?" I'm like, my office door. <laughs> I think a lot of times we talk about like all these mindsets and all these things that we forget that like physical boundaries are also super important and very practical and should be used. So if there's one thing I've learned, it's... One, how important they are. And two, some tactics for using them. And again, with all boundaries, it's all about
0: communication.
1: And sometimes it's easier to have a door communicate for you.
0: (laughs) Okay, I would love to hear from one of you. Where do you need to establish boundaries? And do you have any ideas on how you might start to put that boundary in place?
3: Rachel. So my name is Rachel Wynn, and I'm the leader of a group called Feminist Founder in Washington, D.C., feministfounder.com. And kind of going off of the same theme with money and finances, I'm sure a lot of you guys have, well, hopefully have contracts, but I'm sure a lot of you have late payment policies, which I know we were talking about earlier. Um, but the thing that I think was huge for me is when i finally decided to enforce it (laughs) because i think that you know yes it's in your contract it's in your paperwork maybe they've read it probably not but i think that a huge lesson learned that really impacted my business and a shift in my mindset is i have every right to enforce my contracts and we all do and the example i want to give is a pretty extreme um But I had a hotel client, a corporate hotel client who has plenty. They have, they have, they had the money. They paid their first, uh, two months of their invoices late and I had a very strict policy of payments due by the fifth day of the month and they insisted on paying via check. So it's okay. It needs to be at my house on the fifth day. 5th day of every month. So, um, come March, they, there still wasn't a check on March 5th. So instead of even saying anything, I just was like, okay, well, in my contract, I put 5% per day on the total, which is a lot of money, especially because this contract was close to a thousand dollars. And so I just, you know, started to keep track of that. And then halfway through the month, as usual, they're like, oh, hey, um, question about this, like, other invoice you sent us, what's this eight hundred dollar bill? And I'm like, oh, those are the late fees that I've been accumulating. And they're like, oh, is that something we can uh like talk about? Or can we like come or I don't know, compromise on that? And old Rachel, old, old baby boss Rachel, would have said, sure, no problem. I'll just waive it. I mean, you know, you're a new client. I know checks are tricky, but no, <laughs> no one needs to pay by check. No one's being forced. So I said, I said very politely, you know, no, um, I sent three reminder emails. This is in our contract. Um, this has been sent to the accountant and my point of contact. So I'm unfortunately not able to accommodate that request. So I charged a client $800 in late fees in addition to their month that month. So guess what happened the next month? They signed up for credit card auto billing <laughs> and I never but had that you, problem.
0: <laughs> but were you also kind of like, Ooh, I hope they're late every month.
3: Well, after that, yes, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That extra money was kind of nice. Um, um, but I, I did kind of suspect that would happen, and the we were able to make it work out. So I think that it's really important. I want to just share that you have a contract for a reason, and even though it's really tricky to have those tough conversations, I think it's really important to stand your ground and just if you've done your end of the bargain. Like if I hadn't talked to them all months, you know, maybe, but it's in our contract. I sent so many follow-up emails. give me my money. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel.
0: Thank you. I love the idea of contracts being a really great boundary because I think it's a really great place to get very clear about what you're delivering, the timeline. It's just the most punctual piece of information of what to expect and there's a lot of communication that goes into it. And I think that the communication doesn't stop there. Like really talking through it in plain language, here's everything in the contract, but then there is a signature on that dotted line agreeing to it. Right. And what's
1: the point of having a contract if you're not going to enforce it? <laughs> right. I love that you said you had a, where did she go? I'm looking for her. OMG. Oh, there you go. Sorry. I like looking at people when I talk to them. I love that you said you had the strict policy, but you had never enforced it before. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to one have strict policies. But two, you can also use that as sort of that template or that script that you use. Like it is is against my policy to allow you to do this, or it is in my policies that you're going to do this. People understand contracts most of the time. So if you reference them often, they won't be surprised. Don't reference them too often. That's not great customer service, but when necessary, reference them and absolutely enforce them. In which case, What's the point? Or unless you, if you don't, what's the point? You know what I'm
0: saying. <laughs> okay. So next up, we want to talk a little bit more about community. This word gets thrown around a lot, but it is one that is near and dear to our hearts. So Emily, what are your thoughts on community these days? And really, um, you know, your, your people, your inner circle, your tribe, but then also all of The Being Boss listeners and community at large. So I think
1: we all hear all the time about how it is that you need to be growing your following. Like you need thousands and thousands of followers. Like how can you get more? Here are eight steps. Do these four things, whatever it may be. The idea is growth, growth, growth. And I was one of those people. I always wanted to have a booming email list. And I wanted to have, you know, tons of likes on my Instagram posts or whatever it may be. But being boss has absolutely taught me that it's not about thousands. It's about 10 <laughs> or it's about 20 or maybe even 50. At, if, probably not many more than that. Um, and this has come from, honestly, vacations like this where... If we had a 1,000 people here, I wouldn't be able – I would not talk to any of them. (laughs) Like, I would remove myself. You guys can have fun amongst yourselves. I'm going to be over here. Um, It would be a very different kind of interaction. And I imagine the connection between you guys and the Being Boss brand would be quite different. So for me, it's really been a mindset shift around – what a community actually is. And a community, one that will truly support you and that will be there for you and that will buy from you and ask you questions and answer your questions, it isn't thousands, it's 10 or 20 or 50. And that for me is, I think, an underserved mindset in the online marketing community, especially, where it's all about Growth and huge numbers, huge numbers that mean anything. If any, if I have learned anything from being boss is that a hundred thousand Instagram followers only means a couple of things that you probably didn't actually consider. It doesn't usually mean what you think. Or having a email newsletter list of three hundred thousand, like one percent is opening, guys. Like you really actually only have an email list probably at that point of like three thousand. So these big numbers don't mean. All the things that you think they do. Ten people mean everything you would ever imagine.
0: I'm with you, Emily, where community, I, I think about it a lot. And I see I see the word thrown around a lot. And I see things like, oh, I'm building my community of 500,000 people. And I think that's not really your com- – is is it? It might be. It might be. But for me – What it is, it's a feeling of belonging and connection. And that feeling of belonging and connection seems to really happen whenever it's just a little bit smaller and a little bit tighter. And so it's also shifted how I show up and how I do the work. Whereas before I might think I need to be the most popular. I need to be the smartest person in the room. No, what I really need to do is think about what I how I want people to feel, you know, and then how that facilitates a connection with me and then also with each other and just realizing even that that's important. I know that, um, you know, as people become more popular or more influential like in their businesses, like – I mean, there are a lot of people I admire. It, they would not be as approachable for me. Like I would be nervous to go up and say hello. I know that for me, whenever it comes to our community that we're creating, I always want to be able to say hello to everybody, if that makes sense. And so just really understanding that how I show up in a community in that way, like it means being vulnerable. Like I we get shy too, right? And being vulnerable enough to put on a vacation and see if people show up, and being vulnerable enough to, you know, say hello to everybody, even whenever you feel like you just want to duck away. Um, That's what it means for me. So just this idea of belonging and connection. And then on a personal level, you know, since moving away from a lot of that community that I had in Oklahoma City and moving to Detroit, I'm really starting to see with a little bit of distance what that looks like too. And so that's been really interesting too. Again, like that testing your boundaries to really see, to really help you define something. And so that's been instrumental in helping me define what community really is.
1: I love that. I love what you talked about. I love what you talked about vulnerability. Because that's one thing that I've learned, too, where, you know, sending out an email and having a coffee chat where you're only telling the other person about your credentials, like, that's not vulnerability. That's not a real connection. I don't want to be their client, and I don't want them to hire me. You know, like, showing up and giving a bit of yourself and asking really great questions and listening to when the other person talks and telling about your dreams and aspirations – it's not the normal networking shtick, but I find that it is so much more beneficial and rewarding and creates deeper connections and You cannot have a business. You cannot make money. I don't think, at least I don't think I could make money and feel good about it without those kinds of connections. So we're always talking about, and I know I'm doing this, like making sure you're setting up your systems, making sure you have a great product, making sure you know who your dream customer is, but are you growing a community? And community can be your peers. It should also be those dream customers. It can be people That you are going to ask to mentor you someday in the future or it's going to be someone that you're going to mentor someday in the future. It is those connections that will make all the difference because one friend will tell four friends and those four friends will tell four more friends. And that's going to happen if they have a reason to talk about you and vulnerability is what will get you that.
0: Mm. So it's kind of making me think about high school a little bit. Oh, my God. I'm coming back to thinking about the popularity comment that I made. I want to clarify it a little bit because in high school, I was the band nerd playing French horn in my art classes, voted most nonconformist every year.
1: Surprise.
0: And I was proud of it. I wore it like a badge, but what it meant is that I was cutting myself off from making really meaningful relationships, and I kind of missed out because I thought I had to be popular in order to fit in. I didn't realize, oh, no, I can just build a community with all the other band nerds and all the other art nerds, and I feel like that's what we've done here at Being Boss. I'm not trying to call you all nerds, but you know what I mean, right? um I you don't have to be the most popular and I guess that's what I'm trying to say and that's been a big lesson for me so all right what about you
1: guys we would love to know from a boss here what does community look and feel like to you Um, I'm Sammy Jensen.
4: My two companies are Florapothecary. I've been on the podcast before, episode 117. (laughs) I've been saying that a lot this weekend. Um, and my other company is just my name, Sammy Jo Jensen. Um, so I make 100% natural skincare, uh, and vegan skincare. Um, and I also do branding and marketing freelance work. And community is the biggest thing that I have had to work on in my business. Um, and actually my word, so I have a one word theme for the year. I think Emily, you do this too. And this year my theme was connect. So that's like my resolution is to connect um, and and as a result of that, I reconnected with a good friend of mine who I've known for years. Um, his name is Ben and he lives in Ann Arbor. You should be friends with him, uh, Kathleen. And um, he is, he started his own business. He launched on his own two years ago, um, doing freelance branding and web design work. And we started earlier this year. Having weekly chats. So this kind of ties a lot of things together, actually. Um, we started having weekly chats early in the morning because I have a nine to five. So I would have to kind of like get ready before and then talk with him. And we got really vulnerable with each other about what it meant to be self-employed. And another thing I want, I knew I wanted by the end of this year was to be gainfully self-employed. And so I talked with him a lot about that. And then I also became more involved in the Rising Tide Society and started going to their Tuesdays together. Um, started to reach back out to my friends and my, you know, the, um, entrepreneurs in my area that I could connect with and, and really kind of build this community of people who were like-minded and were already either doing the, the work and being self-employed, um, or were on their way to it. And that in turn gave me a lot of confidence and realizing that this is a possibility and I could do it. Um, and in a lot of my conversations with Ben, I helped him set his boundaries. And, you know, he would be like, oh, I took like three, you know, two-hour client calls today. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Just say no. It's a one-hour call. They get one once a month, you know, like that's it or whatever it is. Um, and it just it just kind of made me realize that this was, again, like something that I could do. And I very specifically timed Coming here and then um, putting in my one month notice at my full time job next week because I knew I would have the confidence to do it. Um, and so just just to say that like you definitely can't undervalue community because when you're feeling overwhelmed, um, you know, undervalued, and you you know you really feel like you can't make it work, just build around you the people who have made it work or are on the same the same track as you and talk to them about it and they'll they'll build you up and it's been amazing so thank
1: you first of all congratulations yeah. so Sammy here was at our first new orleans vacation and i talked her into changing the name of her business
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm so glad you're back here and thank you for sharing that it also made me think of something where you realized that none of us would be here No one would be listening to this podcast, period, if Kathleen and I didn't strongly value community and connection, period, right? So just to punctuate that one, something came up once can't remember exactly what how it was said but the idea of like community literally being the most important thing of all of this of all of the businesses that we are building like sure you can build businesses without it i'm sure but the kinds that we're here to show up and build it's all based on community we all want to connect with others we want to serve people in some way um so that connection that community piece is is really i think the vast underlying foundation of all of this
0: I also want to kind of redact something I've been saying for years, which is that I will never give you permission to quit your job. It is something that we've been saying because we can't make that decision for you. But since being on book tour and connecting with so many people in person, one of the things I hear over and over again is listening to you all help me quit my job and launch my own thing. So if you need permission to quit your job... Here it is. Do it. What's the worst that will happen? You can always go get another job if it doesn't work. So here is your permission to quit. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just laying it all down in episode 200. Right. In which case, let's go into
1: work. Yeah. And the things that we have learned there. I'll let you go first this time.
0: Oh, wow. I have learned that I truly can't do it all. (laughs) I mean, I like to think that I can, um, but I've had to really sacrifice in some areas to scale in others. And this can be as little as knowing that I love doing design and sometimes I keep it a secret that I am still designing some braid methods for my clients, Like, it's just so funny because I feel like I should be in this position where I'm just creative directing and I'm not pushing any pixels, but I want to be doing that. That makes me feel good. It makes me feel productive. It makes me feel valuable and it helps me show up for some of the big vision work in a more authentic way. When I can design our Instagram posts, even though somebody else could do it for us, it makes me feel connected to our brand in a deeper way in in which we can talk about building community or writing a book or whatever bigger vision things we want to do. Um, But also, yeah, knowing that I can't do it all has been huge. And it might mean that some months I take a pay cut, or it might mean that some months I have to say no and have a little bit of fear of missing out, but that it's fine. Um, so that's been my biggest lesson with work and really prioritizing, though, then what it is I do want to be doing all day and what it is I do want to be known for. What do you, wait, what was that? What do you I think I about that? It. Do you I like liked it? it. That okay, was just my like it face. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, if I didn't I did not- tell if you liked it or if it made you want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sometimes those faces are the same. Now I'm going to redact something that we have said a gazillion times. And that is, we talk often about how you need to get narrow. And I know that's even like a braid foundation. So I'm about to step on some braid toes, but I'm beginning to think that getting narrow isn't better. Mm. That it's not the purpose of what it is that we're here to do. It's not always about getting so specific that we know exactly who we're working for and exactly what we're doing, sometimes I think that for some people and many situations, that getting really broad with your knowledge, with your expertise, positions you in a way that makes you more interesting and unique (laughs) and marketable than everyone else who's specializing in similar things. So I love this idea of... Finding the differences and finding the benefits between specializing versus being really broad with your knowledge. I love the idea of exploring new kinds of business models. So, Sammy, you saying that you are doing um, your products, but then you're also doing branding and marketing. We all have windy roads. And sometimes I think that getting really narrow takes us to a dead end.
0: Ooh. Ooh, Heard that. So can I can I speak on this? Uh, This is a conversation. Let's do it. Okay. So I do think about getting narrow. I mean, I think about getting narrow and widening back out. Like going through a doorway is the getting narrow. And then once you're in the room, how can you start to explore? And really just kind of thinking about moving through, let's say a giant castle, right? And you're going through different doorways and walking into bigger rooms. And so I do think of getting narrow as something that can help point you in the right direction. But I will say that getting narrow has allowed me to broaden back out. It's given me the permission and confidence to to broaden back out. But getting narrow has helped me get into that definition and point me in the right direction and help me know which door I want to walk through.
1: I agree. I agree with that. And to continue, it's formulating as we're saying all of this narrow is important especially for creatives who need to figure out what they're doing next (laughs) (laughs) like we all have shiny object syndrome for sure and narrow is important to make sure that you are selling yourself but i also think about you know what is it to be a millionaire you need seven streams of revenue or Mm -hmm. like that's some stats in there somewhere maybe someone made it up. and repeat it (laughs) i'm just kidding right like Those seven streams of revenue can't all be in the same thing. Or mm, what's the fun in that (laughs) when you can do several different things? And sometimes I think this idea of getting narrow, we see it as the end all, be all of what it is that we're creating. And I like this idea of using it as a way to focus in so that you can broaden back out. So maybe this isn't so much as me redacting something we say, maybe growing a point of view that we've had into the next phase of it where... I want to give you guys permission to broaden back out after you get
0: <laughs> narrow. And I will say, you know, narrowing in on branding and blending more of who you are into the work that you do in personal branding has been the way that I've gotten narrow. But I've been able to broaden back out. By sharing what I've learned along the way at being boss. And we have covered multitude of topics here. That's a broadening back out. And that has also getting narrowed afforded me the ability to invest in rental properties. And that's another business, again, that I don't necessarily want to be known for, but is another like broad area, you know, right? And so I do think that getting narrow has afforded me the opportunity and privilege to broaden back out. I feel like I just said that eight times in a row. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Uh, Can you edit that accordingly, Cordy?
1: (laughs) Right. So I think this is a really great example of how having these conversations has helped build future conversations where you do have to have a point of view. We got really narrow on this idea that you have to be narrow. This is so meta. It hurts. (laughs) But once you're there, you can explore other options. You can see how it grows grows and changes. And that's for a point of view like this one, but it's also your brand. It's also your expertise. It's also how you show up for anyone and anything at any time. You can figure out what works for you and then you still have permission to
0: explore if you want. And I think that's a, a big point and probably one that you're getting to as well is that sometimes staking your claim and your expertise can keep you from trying new things or experimenting or taking on passion projects because it doesn't fit into this box of expertise that I've created for myself. And I think that's where it's dangerous to get too narrow is that if it keeps you from exploring what makes you curious.
1: This also reminds me of something – we're going off agenda, guys. (laughs) This also reminds me of something that you and I have talked about a lot lately and especially – well – What we're finding is that especially in creative businesses, whenever you over systemize and create too many processes, it kills the magic, totally kills it. And and this is just another scenario in which traditional business practices don't work for us. And so this just continues into this idea of creative businesses are a whole different kind of beast and one that we're just now really, even 200 episodes in, really just getting to the next phase of what that means, diving even deeper into what it is to be a creative business owner and how those businesses need to be structured and operated in ways that traditional businesses don't work. So yet again, we're at the forefront, figuring it all out together as we go and making it up too a lot. As I know. We go. Well, and
0: coming back to like your creative business and that might not run like someone else's creative business. And I have been trying all the formulas and, you know, all of that stuff over the past four years to really see what works and what doesn't. And it always comes back to just going with my own gut and what I know to be true, even if It's not going to get me that seven figure launch. Because I just can't do a funnel. This is what it comes down to. (laughs) Okay. Um, I want to know from any of you, dear listeners, there was just a huge crack of thunder, lightning, thunder. Feel the thunder, lightning, and the thunder, thunder.
1: All right. (laughs) Now, let's not hear from the thunder. Let's hear from one of you guys. What are some surprising lessons you've learned as you've built your creative career?
0: Hi, I'm Rebecca Tief, and my business is Red Start Creative. And one of the biggest lessons for me was realizing how I was um, positioning our products and our services would not allow me to hit the revenue goals that I wanted. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, I have to sell so many of these things to hit this big number. So um, I decided actually last year at Being Boss, um, I needed to do a huge pivot and go, oh, I actually have to sell bigger things. So I am probably like 12 months into like an 18-month growth period. Um, But it's been huge and I just have to sit down and do the work every day. Um, But it's so nice. I'm like, oh, I'm more than halfway through now. I'm getting there. A surprising lesson for me has been that 18 months is not that long of a time. <laughs> it Expect. feels like you it. You know what I mean?
5: But truly, right. it goes by so fast. Thank you, Rebecca. And then we had... Thank you. Um, I'm Tori Mystic, and my business is called Wear Wag Repeat. It's WearWagRepeat.com. And I have to say that the little tangent that you guys just went off on resonated with me so much because I have really learned that... Um, so my my business is a website for stylish dog moms, which uh, I know you're giggling, everyone, <laughs> um, but I have to say it's come a long way and I think having confidence in myself that this is something that I'm passionate about and that people – respond positively to, it's changed people's reactions. So like when I first started saying that two years ago, everyone laughed in my face. (laughs) And now you're kind of like giggling behind me, which is a huge step up. (laughs) Um, But I've noticed that by narrowing down to like specifically stylish dog moms, which is very specific niche. And I am so proud of you for it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. But um, but that's, that has, by getting narrow, it has opened up so many things. So now, you know, I don't say I have a dog mom blog. I say I run a website for dog moms because it includes a podcast where I interview women entrepreneurs in the pet industry. And then I just started an online store where I support all dog mom makers for my products. So it actually Actually, by getting narrow has expanded so many opportunities to me. So your tangent, although you thought it didn't make sense, it made total sense to me.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I like
0: it when our tangents make
1: sense. I know.
5: <laughs> we usually don't get real-time
0: feedback. Usually we're just like this. What? like, Corey,
1: listen to that. And if it sounds stupid, cut it
0: out. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Okay. And so finally, let's get into life because – We know that as creatives, our work and life blend, and our work is our life, and our life is supported by the work. So,
1: Emily, you go. (laughs) The thing that I've learned, first and foremost, this may sound simple, but it felt profound, is that the goal is to prefer your life to your work. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Maybe it was profound. Um, right? So we're all here building these jobs that we love working at, and sometimes it's a detriment of the life that we have to live after hours. But I've found that, or I've discovered as I've gone along, that it's not about building an ideal business or job for yourself It's about building the life that that business is going to afford. And that makes that life work blend, dance, even more intricate and more of a place that you need to focus. So... This happens for me a lot whenever I'm sitting down working and going, oh, I just want to go sit on my front porch or I would rather be cooking dinner right now or all of those sort of things where I find myself, maybe that, those aren't even really great examples. Let me think of a better example than that. A good example of this is whenever I would rather be traveling because my life affords me, or my work affords me those sorts of things, it's not about me getting up and heading to my inbox. It's not about me getting up and getting to that client or creating the thing that's going to get me paid. It's about the things that they afford. So whenever I'm excited about my life, when I'm really excited about what happens after I do the work that I enjoy doing, I know I've made it. I'm getting to travel cool places or I'm getting to stop working at four o'clock and have plenty of time to cook dinner for my family. And I'm able to enjoy all of that because I've created a work that allows me to
0: do whatever the hell I want to with my life. I feel like what you're saying here also takes some of the pressure off of the metric goals that you value, right? Right. For sure. I've been releasing metrics
1: (laughs) from my life, guys. Whoa. That's such a lie. I love some metrics. (laughs) And I'll use them. So here's the shift there. Here's the shift that has been made there. I don't use metrics for gratification anymore. I use them to make decisions. It's, It's a very simple change. But one that I've found has helped me a lot Because it doesn't matter how many people came to your website, it matters how they got there and what they did once they were there. Those are the things that allow you to make decisions. Um, Basing your self-worth on how many people come to your website is pointless.
0: So I wrote down in my notes here, creative expression, dot, 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 and how that evolves. Do you remember what that means? No. (laughs) Does anyone know what that means? I don't know. But... I was just at my grandma's funeral. She was 95 years old and brilliant. She, everyone was just talking about how kind she was and how she sang to us every morning that we spent the night. And it gave me a lot of perspective. And I know that on this podcast, I'm like, we're all going to die. Just do the thing. But it gave me a new sense of perspective of that life is – Life is about making those memories, and sometimes they're really small ones, including the song that you sang to your grandkids to wake them up. And so it's really made me reevaluate the kind of memories that I'm creating for my own kiddo and my own family and really coming back to valuing ritual and traditions and the kinds that we get to make for ourselves and so that's what I'm coming back to with life. The holidays as of recording this are about to come upon us. And really just thinking about, I think that's a great opportunity to define and punctuate some of those moments that will be memorable and the kinds of things that I want to, I want to leave with.
1: That's so good. That's my good face. <laughs> and this brings me to something that I think I want to wrap up on. And we talk about priorities a lot. And again, we're usually talking about priorities in terms of like, make sure you empty your inbox or forget your inbox. There are other priorities you should be attending to. But what I've definitely found is that whenever you can prioritize within your life, as much as you do in your work, they will both flourish. So today in our VIP mastermind, we had eight of you guys who wrote down a life and a work goal. And we had everyone go around and talk about their goal and talk about where they saw some struggles, and we workshopped it. Out of those eight people, only two of them mentioned their personal goal. Ooh, right? And we didn't really talk about it much there, but I knew I was going to talk about it right now because every one of them assumed that their professional goal was the most important goal that they had written down. Is that true? Not necessarily. I think that your life goals have to be just as important, in some cases more so, than the professional goals that you are setting for yourself. And we made that space very especially very consciously because we know that you guys probably aren't making much space for your life goals. You're making plenty of glorious space for your professional for your professional goals. And I'm glad that we've gotten you there for sure. But we hope you guys are spending some time, at some point just as much time, on writing down what it is that you want out of your life, writing down all the steps, and then doing the work. Because those life goals are just as important, if not more so, than the work goals that you're setting for yourself.
0: Would we get in trouble if we literally dropped the mic? (laughs) They're your mics. (laughs) They are. You won't get in trouble. I would get in trouble. All right. So we want you all to be thinking about those life goals and bringing a little bit more attention to them. Thank you so much for showing up to our live podcast recording. I want to make sure to give a big shout out to Podia which you can try for free at podia.com slash bosses. We loved our mastermind with them yesterday. And then a big shout out to FreshBooks Cloud Accounting, who you know we adore. And you can try them for free at freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. But really, truly shout out to FreshBooks and Podia for helping make this vacation what it was. And thank you to you all For showing up, we appreciate you so much. Hey, bosses, I want to tell you about the CEO Day Kit. The CEO Day Kit is 12 months of focus planning for your business in just one day. So Emily and I have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the CEOs of our own businesses. Gain clarity, find focus, get momentum, prioritize your time, make better decisions, and become more self-reliant with the CEO Day Kit. Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn more and see if it's a fit for you and your business. Thank you for listening to Being Boss.
1: If you're looking for more help in being boss of your work and life, come check out our website where you can find episode show notes, browse our archives, and access free resources like worksheets, trainings, quizzes, and more. It's all at www.beingboss.club. Do the work. Be boss. Be boss.